0: Hey everyone, I am Barrett Gruber, host of the All About Nothing podcast, and because you listen to my show, you know that our family grows with every guest. And one of our family has had a tragedy in their family that could use our help. Friend of the show and podcaster, the diligent dabber, host of the Dad Who Dabs, recently suffered a house fire. Now the damage is described as mostly exterior and attic, but the fire took out the electricity, which now requires they live in a nearby hotel, this family of four diligent dabber, his wife, and two boys, 6 and 11, and they're in need of help, and I'm asking for everyone's assistance. Please visit their GoFundMe page through this address: barrett.gr/helpthedabber. Regardless of the amount, it all helps to get this family back into their home. Again, barrett.gr/helpthedabber. Every single bit helps. Thank you very much for letting me interrupt.
1: Hey guys, I'm Chrissy and I'm Carrie. And together, we are Status status Macabre. You
0: threw me for a loop there. I know,
1: your eyes got really big when I said that. What is she
0: doing? She's off script! Oh my god! (laughs) It's freaking (laughs) Sunday, I can't handle this!
1: I just wanted to mix it up.
0: Yeah, and she did.
1: So we're a little late this week. Um, Carrie yeah.
0: had a very tough week. I put it on our, I think I put it on Facebook. Yeah. did. you know, uh, work and life got in the, the way. The way, I know I
1: saw that. <laughs> um, because that's about how I felt. I know, it was, it, I know you were struggling last week. Oh, it was tough, yeah. She actually had real work going on. I know. Like,
0: yeah. They, like, they expect me to work for a paycheck? I know, I know. <laughs> When did that happen? Yeah, when did that happen? (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, we went live last. It was good Mm -hmm. that we went live. This is a project that that they had had, that they had been working on for... A really long time. A really long time. And so it was not because of me that they went live. (laughs) So I want to be very clear there. But I did help push them over the goal line, so
1: so congratulations it's a good feeling congratulations thank you thank you
0: thank you no please stop no no don't no, stop <laughs> <You're> stupid <laughs> so this past week was pretty crazy yeah and then uh, this next week so it was I asked the the team I'm like so what what can we expect the first week mm-hmm. or two clearly I've never been through a go live with you guys. And it was well. The first week will probably be pretty slow. The first couple days probably uneventful. Mm-hmm. And it was for the most part how that worked. worked we yeah. have teams all over the globe. So yeah. No, you said
1: you were up them. at like three talking to <laughs> Japan. Japan. Yeah.
0: Jeez. And then, um, then they were like, "But the second week's gonna be crazy." So right. I'm like, "Oh, great." So I did not do a lot of drinking this weekend. Well, that's a good thing. Unlike I, I was about to say. I went to Ugh. Asheville this weekend with my son and my brother to really just play games and drink.
1: And then that's fun. <laughs> and
0: that's what we did.
1: I was at a party last night and awesome. had um, a few too many pumpkins, <laughs> which is my favorite fall beer because it is so delicious. I know you don't like pumpkin, so... Your face.
0: Well, I I think there are people who love. I used to really like the pumpkin spice and everything yeah. about this, but the my very first Asheville Beer Week festival that I went to, which is many many years yeah. ago now, I had uh, too many of pumpkin some pumpkin. Now you have taste or, and I'm like... <laughs>
1: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's gonna be um, a hot minute before I have um, another pumpkin. Another pumpkin. Yeah. So I laid in bed all day and had McDonald's before I left, and now here I am.
0: Hey, don't knock McDonald's.
1: I love me some McDonald's. So, um, so yeah, that's that's
0: that's where we're at. Um. Well, you're here. I even I even tr- was trying to give her an out. I was on my way back. Yeah, from or maybe sure I was here. Okay? I was like, "Are you sure you feel like recording?" I've been there. Like and I was like, "I'm not gonna be the one to cancel," but yeah. I, I don't want her to think I'd be pissed if we did. So here's my little olive branch. We'll see if she bites.
1: I figured I'd get ahead because I. I get it over with now because otherwise
0: that doesn't mean how it sounds you guys we do love doing this
1: oh we do love doing it i just yeah she I, didn't want to get out of bed i did not i lay there in bed and my husband was like you gonna get up <laughs>
0: Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway um, we're recording we are behind we know it we'll make it up
1: yeah, we will we will well we've got um so a couple things
0: well, the only up. thing I wanted to mention coming up is the crime cruise, cruise. Yeah. October 8th. So we'll be Yay. getting up really early that morning to go to. down to Miami. Yep. And then, um, <clears throat> we'll be on the, the crime cruise that evening. I think, I think it either leaves at four or six. Or I think they like moved that. it to six. Yes. Yeah. So, um. but I am going to get on that boat as soon as we do all the safety things. And as soon as I can, yep. I will be having a beverage. Oh, Definitely. One hundred percent, and I will be very upset if mm -hmm. they have they don't have bars open for whatever reason on the ship. Of course, they're gonna have bars open. Well, the first one I ever went, they they didn't open any of the bars before we left. Oh, and this was well the only one. Oh, maybe I don't know. Um, but everybody was talking about how that's what they normally do. They get on the boat, they do the little safety.
1: Thing, thing, yep, and then, then you start drinking. Bar.
0: Yeah, but for whatever reason, they didn't on this one. But, oh, and that's why I'm saying, please, yeah, 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 yeah. Out. I hope so too. But so, I, yeah, we're both excited. Yes, I'm we excited. We're going to soak up every little bit of anything we get. I know it's gonna be cool. Bring it back to you guys, yep, and um, hopefully be able to get our name out there a little bit more as well. Yep, excited. Super excited. Oh, well, this week, what do you have? Hmm? What do you have?
1: I don't have shit.
0: Oh, okay. I don't have anything. She's got nothing. I just
1: woke up. I have no idea. (laughs) I've got
0: nothing. So this week, you guys, we're kind of taking a break from the normal... Killer. Murderer. Yeah. Raping. Cannibalism. Whatever we normally talk about. And, you know, we're going to be talking about Mount Everest. And so Mount Everest, for me, is something that, I mean, I've always been very intrigued by Mm -hmm. Mount Everest, I used to, until I did this, mm-hmm. to be very transparent with you, yeah. I used to want to go to Mount Everest and I used to want to climb Mount Everest. Now, what is it's this is not wrong like with a you? bucket list thing. Like, oh, I, I want to do this before I die. It was just something that I really thought about. I never put any effort into doing this. Okay. It was just something that I was like, man, that would be awesome. I wonder. I, I, would, I would
1: go to the base. And then no, that's it. A... <laughs> I
0: won't even go to the base. Not now? No. 18,000 feet up. No, thank you.
1: The base. Yes, I yeah. I felt sick in Colorado. I can't imagine.
0: And I felt I, sick at ugh. the Grand Canyon. So right, yeah. But so it's a little different. I'm calling it Mount Everest history facts macabre.
1: I like it. It's it's got that little <laughs> ring to it.
0: So as I was saying earlier, before we started recording, was you know this we're not people aren't killing other people. It's you know it's kind of nature. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's nature killing people. Killing other people. It's like the happening. Yeah, yeah. So carry on.
0: All right, let's, we're let's, ready. Let's dig in. I pause for dramatic effect.
1: Uh, oh, was that? I should have had like a, a little wah wah. We do wah, need wah. to get some. Little, like,
0: I'm. I want all about nothing. Like I want that bell. Yeah. All about nothing podcast. Yep. Mm. Ding ding ding. Yeah, or maybe we'll get a cowbell. That would be annoying though. You <laughs> can never have too much Don't cowbell. All right. <laughs> <Her. laughs> All right, well, Mount Everest is the highest peak of the Himalayan mountain range, and it's located near Nepal and Tibet um, in a region of China. Mm-hmm. And it stands, to date, it is 29,032 feet, and is considered the tallest point on Earth or from Earth.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, so it really is the tallest mountain. Absolutely. Okay, what was I thinking was like the uh, another mountain that was like really, really tall? Kilimanjaro? Yeah, maybe that's it. And, and they're like some kind of volcano that's really tall. I I'm real good with geography. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay. Know. Yeah, so I don't know. Mount Kilimanjaro was the only other one I had in my mind. I yeah. literally know nothing about it.
1: Me either. But I like saying it. Yeah. Kilimanjaro. 14. Okay.
0: So why has, like, why would you think Mount Everest has caught and captured the interest of mountain climbers for so many years from all over the world. Well, just because it's tall. Well, simply, well, yeah, you know, simply because it's there. <laughs> yes, yeah. it's, it's 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 something that people can conquer. Mm-hmm. It's something that they can do to feel accomplished. And, you know, some people do have climbing to the summit on Mount Everest a part of their bucket list. Mm, um, good for or them. Or maybe either it's a lifelong dream. But mm-hmm. either way, if you manage to get, I don't mean that if you go to Mount Everest and you step your foot on the base. I'm not talking about that. <laughs> I was saying <laughs> it, you know it, it could be a uh, very tr- triumphant yeah. or it could be extremely tragic. Yeah. It, there's there's I, I literally feel like no way you have of knowing right now if you would survive. I was going to say
1: it seems like a very fine line between triumph
0: and tragedy. You know, I'm definitely someone who is not a risk taker unless the odds are ever in my favor. Yeah, same. <laughs> and there's no way I would I don't even want to be anywhere near this mountain. Right. <laughs> it's just it scared me that much. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, so the range, the it's Mount Everest is a part of the Himalayans, mm-hmm. right? And that range is 55, 60 million years old. Holy. Okay. And it it took 45 or 50, it took another many, many millions of that mm-hmm. to even form. Oh wow! Okay, so the Himalayans was created by the collision of two continental plates. And think way back to right to dinosaur time, or yeah. high school, or oh. wherever you were talking about plate tectonics. She's like dinosaurs. Yeah.
1: No, I just thought you were you were gonna go into like you know this whole a, diatribe a of, little and, bit, not yeah. a lot.
0: I just I don't want to get too in the weeds here. Yeah, we're looks good. Like we're taking a turn already. Oh, so okay. Everybody's <laughs> so, like, pause. Next podcast. Um, but there were two continental plates that collided Mm -hmm. and it really caused this dramatic fierce upward tectonic action oh okay got it so i'm gonna go a little bit further but the indian australian plate was moving northward Mm -hmm. from the south clearly Mm -hmm. and it forced and it was forced downwards under the eurasian plate and so when that happened the, the you got a mountain range yeah. formed. And again, that doesn't happen like within 30 seconds, there's a mountain <laughs> It's range, like right? all of a sudden, like crash.
1: Oh, this look, is, there's a new mountain. Right. Yeah. There's
0: There's a crash. And I feel like I'm maybe being a little too dramatic there, but it's all happening. And then over time, these tectonic plates are still colliding into each other. And it's causing the form of this mountain range. Got it. They are actually, the Himalayans are actually still growing to this day. Oh, wow. Those two plates are still today colliding into each other very slowly, very gradually. And the Himalayans grow about a third of an inch every single year. I guess that's, I mean, over time, that's a lot. That's a big, yeah. Well, if you think about like how many millions of years did it take to form? I just think it's still fascinating. I don't know of another area on this planet where Mm -hmm. we still have... Two plates that are colliding into each other to constantly form to form something else. Yeah. Right. I could. Hey, I might just be an idiot. Everybody Everybody's probably be like, "Yeah, well, I can think about sixteen different places right, right now." No, I, but I don't for know. me, I think it was super interesting. It continues to be monitored um, because there are uh, earthquakes are pretty prominent in that area, mm-hmm. and an earthquake can impact the mountain range. So let's talk a little bit about how Mount Everest and the Himalayas were discovered. Um, Clearly, if you think back 100 years, maybe even a little further, I couldn't imagine how there would absolutely be no way to understand what was going on on the other side of the world as quickly as we're able to understand that now with Internet, right? Mm -hmm. So the world's highest mountain had remained unknown to Westerners. So anyone not in that area would basically had no idea that it existed until around 1852. And at this time, surveyors discovered it during the British government's charting of India. Now, at the time, India was a part of the British Empire. Mm -hmm. And again, you guys, this is mid-1800s. So, to the people who lived in Nepal, the mountain was named Sagarmatha. Sagarmatha. Now, I did listen to this before, Yeah. (laughs) but it's... It's still not very easy to pronunciate. Mm-hmm. And the Tibetans called it, so we had the folks on the Nepal side, then we had the folks on the Tibet side. They called it Chumalugma. chumalugma Okay. What does yeah. that mean? It, that's just what, that was the name of the mountain. That's what they called the mountain. I
1: know, but surely it means something. I
0: don't know. Google okay. It. All right. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, it could, it could literally just be a name <laughs> right, in right. Tibet. I have no idea. Right. Um, and the folks who lived on the mountain. So, yeah, you guys, people lived in the safety zone on the bottom of the mountain. Right. There were, I like don't want to say Valley. tribes, but there yep. were groups of people that, that lived there. Well, they called it Mother of the Universe, universe oh. which I would imagine would make sense. That's the literally the biggest thing they had ever, ever, ever seen. seen. Right. Um, and eventually, though, the Brits decided to officially name the mountains in honor of the surveyor. He, um, he was a general, a surveyor general in India, and it, his name was George Everest.
1: Oh, okay. And that's
0: where the name Mount Everest comes from.
1: Okay. All right. I'm glad so you many, cleared that up for me. Yeah.
0: Many locals had names that they called it. They were fine with it. But here comes Britain like, nope, let's give it a real name.
1: Yeah, some English-speaking white dude. <laughs> and
0: so, well, duh, why would we name it? I'm just Name kidding. it after me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the task of surveying the mountain range started in the early 1800s, around 1808, and essentially they decided to take this project on because they wanted to determine if the Himalayas were the highest mountain range in the world. Okay. So it was the whole purpose of this. Mm-hmm. So by 1830, the survey had reached areas close to Nepal and India, and according to one historian, conditions were terrible quote and I quote malaria was rife monsoon rains eroded observation towers every year so oh. just the elements right. were ju- <laughs> i think <They> weren't helpful <laughs> m- miserable in addition nepal did not allow visitors or tourists from their side so there was no access for this british surveying team mm-hmm. to to enter from the nepal side at all why because the nepal government
1: they just was, were like were not allowing it huh
0: yeah they didn't want people coming through the country and going and entering mount everest and i think at the time they were kind of like a i don't want to say border shut because i don't know what was going on yeah they just really didn't like outsiders okay so when of course as an alternative they you know they had to continue so as an alternative they decided to continue the project from the lower areas of the mountain. They determined a baseline for the length of the range in 1847, and from there they began measuring the height of the peaks of the mountain chain by using trigonometrical calculations, right? That's a mouthful for me. I was going to say, congratulations (laughs) on that. (laughs) Um, And so they were using those calculations, and they were basing – them on heights and distances of known places. Right? Okay, so they were basically just using trigonometry to figure to figure this out. Sure, from a distance because it was so unsafe. Right. Until this time, Kanchenjunga in Asia was believed to be the highest peak of of the Himalayas, and at, they calculate its height at twenty eight thousand one hundred fifty six feet. So okay. So until until this time, they thought there was another mountain that was right. taller than okay. Mount Everest. Gotcha. Now, in 1856, the calculations did conclude that Mount Everest, also called Peak 15 in their survey, mm-hmm. was listed at around 29,002 feet. However, in the f- 1950s, assessments showed that the height of Everest was actually an additional 26 more feet mm-hmm. than they had originally thought, which takes it to our current calculation of 29,000 28 28 feet. Okay. A Big ass mountain. I was going to say, at which point does it not matter anymore? It's just a fucking big ass mountain. (laughs) (laughs) Take into consideration that these mountains were measured from points at a distance. Um, The accuracy of the survey in the 1850s is astonishing. There were only 20... something feet off right in their calculations. The surveyors had to take into consideration the earth's curvature and the fact that light bends with varying air density of changing altitude, which I thought was really interesting, making it even more difficult to figure to, out. Yeah. To measure. Right. Yeah. A survey made today from the exact same uh, locations would not be possible due to the dust and the air pollution. It's so bad now. Um, and it's a very rare occurrence that you can actually make out the second foothills of the Himalayans. And these were the planes that the surveyors were actually trying to do okay. the survey from. Okay. So it doesn't, it would be completely impossible. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the first attempt to climb Mount Everest. After all of this, it would be another 70 years before the first exploration was made. And that would take us to 1921 where a British exploration expedition set out mm-hmm. a gentleman by the name of George Mallory, whose name would later be linked to the mountain, was quoted in saying, before he trekked out there, he was quoted in saying, we are walking off the edge of the map. First, we have to find this mountain. Mm -hmm. So they knew about the mountain. They wanted to go see the mountain. Sure. It Since- makes me
1: wonder, did he think it was like a flat earth situation?
0: <laughs> I mean for
1: <laughs> you know, I have that picture of like the cat pushing the cup over on the yeah. <laughs> side of the side of the earth. Anyway, sorry.
0: Since the Nepal side of the mountain was sealed, again, Nepal did not allow foreigners and tourists into their country, the exploration and all future expedition attempts until nineteen fifty would be made across the Tibetan plateau. Okay. Of course, it's made for a very long endeavor if you chose to to take on climbing to the summit. Oh, and shit. today, just to give you guys kind of an idea, today it takes about two months to make this climb to the summit. It's not like a weekend trip;
1: it's two months. Two months, and that's like going the whole time, or there's base camps pretty- that you
0: get to okay. there from from everything I can tell. Like it's clearly we have weather forecasting equipment now, mm-hmm. but I'm under the impression that the weather really. Ha- really does often change pretty quickly. Right up there. Yeah. Okay. Um, also, there Jeez. are planes that sometimes fly at, you know, 20, 25,000 feet. Mm-hmm. And at the base camp, you're at 18,000 feet up. Yeah. So already, what's that doing on your body? Ugh, I mean, I know God. we know. Yeah. And it hurts. Right. Ugh, screw that. So The following year it takes us to 1922. A more formal attempt to climb Everest was made, and the, they got real this time, right? Yeah, and for the first time, the mountain's terrifying defenses really became known. The highest point reached by the men was 27,297 feet before an avalanche below the North Call, North Call, C O L, killed seven sherpas so a sherpa you guys is a guide right yeah they are locals they are super knowledgeable they probably mm -hmm. shimmied up that damn thing i was gonna say and they're hundreds of years and their family you know their body's used to it so that that's what sherpas are so an avalanche killed seven sherpas on Uh, their on the really first try the Mm -hmm. the, this first one with mallory was like a you know i'm just gonna go kind of check it out and see what's going on right in 1924 Another team of British gentlemen set off in their tweed suits to conquer the mountains. Yeah, what it? I would I would put them in the purist category. I'm a purist, and here here's why. Okay, so these guys uh, were equipped with no crampons. So a crampon, you guys, is a micro spike that goes in your shoe. That that when I first read that, I was like, yeah, that. I think the gears in my brain smoked a little bit and they also had a furious quote furious argument about whether to use oxygen whether or not it was sporting enough it was sporting meaning oh no whether whether or not it was sporting meaning i mean how did they use the word sporting, sporting. i know that's my it is I it think like it was supposed to be jolly i know i, I was know. gonna say
1: is this is this in style can we use this right i struggle stupid? with that okay whatever
0: so, this expedition actually included George Mallory, who, of course, was the guy who set off on the first expedition, remember? Right. And also included a gentleman by the name of Andrew Irvine. Mm-hmm. So, basically, this is what we know. Possibly, they may have reached the mountaintop, but they never returned. Mallory's body was found in Ugh. 1999. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And the camera that may have been able to prove they were potentially the first to get to the summit has never been found. Uh. Next to the Hillary Norgay's, which we'll get to those guys in a moment, mm-hmm. um, their successful climb. This is perhaps the most famous of all the endeavors, especially because of all the controversy around whether did they make you know whether they made it or whether t- they didn't. Right.
1: Oh man, that sucks. So he, his body was
0: not found. And from 1924 24. to 1999. Holy shit. That's there like have been in millions of lifetimes that have happened.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh.
0: So the massive 1953 British expedition that placed Norgay and Hillary on the top was led by, when I say the top, I mean on the summit, at the summit, yeah. which is the that peak. That, that we peak, from, yeah. 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 Um, it was led by Sir John Hunt, and he had 320 porters. So a porter, which I never knew this was a thing until... I did this research is someone who carries objects and cargoes for other so it's not a guide it's essentially oh, I that a, would be... a walking suitcase yeah so i thought the sherpas carried all your shit. no the sherpas are they're the just guys they're just and like, these guys okay. are they're i can't imagine i would imagine they would be making a ton of money out there well i guess they would have to be oh anyway yeah Whew. so those 320 porters were supporting 10 climbers. So the 10 climbers had all these porters, and they had Sherpas. Uh, it mm-hmm. was it was a big deal, and oftentimes you're not really going up there onesie twosie. You're you're typically in a large uh, group in a group. People. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. On May 26, two climbers from the party pushed to the south summit before. Low oxygen and fatigued yeah. forced them to, to turn back, right? Well so, yeah, because you
1: have no air, you're probably exhausted and you're like, if we go any
0: further, we're gonna die. They were at twenty eight thousand seven hundred feet. Oh wow, so they were close. And at this point, the amount of oxygen that's in the air is thirty three percent. Oh shit. So they they were only three hundred and twenty eight feet from the top when they so mm-hmm. imagine three hundred you're Imagine what's going on in your body that you cannot make it 328 feet. Oh, God. Like, it gives me chill bumps. Yeah, no doubt. The window of good climbing weather was really closing, right? Mm-hmm. We talked about how the temperature or the weather can, can change pretty quickly up there. Right. Which, you know, could potentially bring on monsoons with heavy snows. Those sorts of things were at that timeline was dwindling and now they were out about a week. Right. <clears throat> It was, you know, there, time, like I said, time was closing in on them. Mm-hmm. And that would have completely negatively impacted um, any chance that they would have had for achieving their... Like going reaching, all the way to the top. Right. But on May 29th, 1953, Norgay and Edmund Hillary gazed out over Tibet from the apex of the world. So they did eventually make it up make to Make it the to top. the top. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. So they're the first two that...
1: Documented. They're the first
0: two that I found that made it to the officially, top. Yeah. Okay. Got yeah. it. And I would imagine that being a, a huge feeling of accomplishment. Oh yeah, no doubt. In 1963, um, an American team led by a Norman firth was successful and placed six people on the summit. Seattle resident Jim Whittaker was the first. Two of the six arrived via the previously unclimbed West Bridge. So they had gone into Nepal. the other side that was closed, right?
1: Oh, and they didn't get in trouble?
0: <laughs> well, they, it had op- oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mention that. It had opened up by then. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. So they were closed, and, you know, it's a money... It's between 35000 to to $100,000 is what it would cost you to climb Mount Everest. Shut up. I guess with all the
1: equipment that you need and a you guide. Have to pay. Yeah.
0: I and, and so I could Damn. never afford And I would never spend that much I was money getting to potentially to die. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Here's
1: my funeral.
0: Now, you know, we start to think, and we, we know that the climb all the way up to the summit is, is terrible. Mm-hmm. How can we make that even more miserable? I don't know if it's raining. Everest's biggest <laughs> challenge was overcome in 1978 when Austrians Messner and Habler made the first ascent of the mountain without using oxygen. Holy shit. And Why would then, you even try to do thank that? you. And then in 1980, Messner did it again, um, solo. That's fucked up. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I guess maybe he just wants
1: a natural high. I don't... I mean... I can barely read if I'm no, high. It's I not not high. wouldn't be I able to be. It's, it's, like,
0: like. it's painful. <laughs> right. Well, in 1996, um, a debacle that killed eight climbers above the South Coal route happened. I mean, it, uh, so we now we're going to start to get into, we're all like, okay, we've heard the history. Move I've had along, my Carrie. Math lesson. <laughs> I've had my science lesson. Can we get down to the nitty gritty? <laughs> Thank you. Okay. And we're here. Okay. And here we are, you guys. Thank you. <laughs> For those of you who have <laughs> fast forward. <laughs> Through the whole thing. Sure. We're, we're starting on the crazy stuff now. Shortly after midnight on May 10th, 1996, the Adventure Consultants Expedition Group, right? So this is a group of people, uh-huh. began a summit attempt from Camp 4. So up the side of the mountains, there's different camping areas um, where you can rest. Uh, there may be some medical yeah. um, doctors, nurses, or whatever there. But mm-hmm. there's pe- there's parts like that all the way up the mountain. Okay. Okay. Um, and it is on top of the, of the area that's called South Coal. It's 25,900 feet up the mountain. God. They are joined by um, an additional six climbers, mm-hmm. three guides, and Sherpas that another company is providing. As well as, um, you know, <laughs> this expedition was actually sponsored by the government of Taiwan. So they had oh, the wow. orders. It was a big deal. Right. It was a really big deal. Okay. Um, the expeditions quickly encountered delays, which I would take these as a sign. But yeah, I whatever. know, right? <laughs> the climbing Sherpas and guides had not set the fixed ropes by the time the team reached the next area called the balcony, which is at 27,400 feet. Um, and this cost the climber, uh, climbers, all of them, an, an hour. And minutes are very valuable on this mountain. Okay. Very valuable on this mountain. There is some question as to the cause of this failure. Why did they forget to do this? (laughs) But they they never really got an opportunity to ask these guys because they all died in okay. not not the entire team right right but these people that would have had those answers died on the mountain so
1: i'm, I'm trying to understand what they were trying to do so, so
0: you're climb they're climbing a mountain and there's ropes they call yep. them leads that yeah. okay that they put on the mountain so you so can, you can climb you up and the climb rope. them and you also know where you're going going yeah. okay because it's all white out there you know you oh sure yeah.
1: So so they did not have those for whatever set. reason
0: they weren't out. Got it. They okay. they 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 weren't out. Now after reaching they they did continue though. It took them about an hour. They got it fixed. They're like all right, let's go. Uh-huh. After reaching the next part, which was called Hillary Step at twenty eight thousand seven hundred and forty feet, mm-hmm. so they're up about another thousand feet. The climbers again discovered that no fixed lines had been placed. Again, again, and they were forced <laughs> to wait another hour while the guides and sherpas and whoever installed those ropes. Dude, I'd be like, all right, I'm out and and again, and I'm out an hour, two hours now on the mountain. no, ain't it's cold as piss, yeah. No, nope, i yeah. <laughs> So because about 33 climbers, additionally, were attending the summit on the same day, and Hall and Fisher had asked their climbers to stay within 500 feet of each other, mm-hmm. there was really a bottleneck at this point. Sure. So everybody's waiting to go everybody's up. Everybody's waiting. And this was, you know, this is, again, this is a single fixed line. Mm. It's not like there's, you've yeah. got small spaces that they can... Sure. At this point, three climbers, Hutchison, Kasisky, and Task, returned towards Camp 4, as they feared they would run out of supplementary oxygen due to all the delays. Yep, they So they're like... Yeah, deuces. Yeah. Uh, Climbing without supplemental oxygen... While all this is going on, there is another guide from another group called Mountain Madness Team that was climbing without supplemental oxygen. And he was the first of this entire group of people to actually reach the summit. Oh, okay. And uh, at 29,029 feet. And Mm. he reached it about one o'clock, a little after 1 p.m. Oh, okay. Many of the climbers, like I I said, he was the first. Many had not reached the summit by 1,400 hours, which would make it two o'clock. And this is why I was saying those times are so important because two o'clock is the end. That's that's the safe time to leave. Really, if you leave after two o'clock, okay. you're putting yourself in danger of getting to the Camp 4 before it gets dark. And mm-hmm. I would imagine you don't want to sleep out on that mountain. No, there's yetis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, <laughs> this guy began his descent from... Mm -hmm. The summit at around 2.30. So he spent an additional 30 minutes on the mountain. So now he spent, from the time he got there, about an hour and a half at or near the summit, helping others complete the climb, doing whatever he could, just being a team player. A team player. (laughs) So he, you know, he goes back down to the camp and on the way down, he's noticing that the weather is not looking so good. And now it's about three o'clock in the afternoon and snow starting to fall and daylight is, is quickly diminishing. Yeah, so he's dwindle. like, all right, we, we definitely gotta, we definitely gotta start moving here. Mm-hmm. Several climbing Sherpas waited at the summit for the clients, the ones who were straggling and, and, and almost left behind there. and almost there. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it was right around three o'clock. They began to descend which is one hour they've pressed this safe time so they're headed back down the mountain and at this point they're offering assistance to additional climbers that are going to try to make it up to the summit and back even though it's past even the time. even though it's past the time okay. yeah and there's no like there's no cap on things that there's not really anybody up there making sure people are following whatever pseudo rules they may or may sure. not have in place right A gentleman by the name of Scott Fisher from the same group did not get to the summit until 345. He was exhausted, clearly, from from the climb, Mm -hmm. and he was becoming very ill, possibly suffering from H-A-P-E, which HAPE, I don't know if they just (laughs) use... Uh, the acronyms are not, but it's high altitude pulmonary edema Ooh. or HACE, which is high altitude cerebral edema. Mm. Um, it could be a combination or both of these items. Neither one of those sound good. Neither one sound good at all. Other folks from the climb were able to reach the summit um, a- even later than that. So we've got oh, people straggling, at all, straggling in at all times. Well, the weather's getting pretty bad uh, and it's causing some difficulties for many of the team members that are going down the mountain. The blizzard on the southwest side of the mountain r- severely reduced visibility. Mm-hmm. It was burying the ropes that they had fixed. Oh, and, so to find their way down. Yeah, and it was completely obliterating whatever trail they may have made on the way up to get back down to the camp. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's scary. Oh, I... I... I don't know what kind of panic would set into my body. No. So Fisher um, was helped by a Sherpa and was unable to descend below the balcony, which is that part that's at 27,400 feet. Right. Um, he was unable to, to do it in the storm. Ugh. But the Sherpa, the, Sherpa, the Sherpas left. <laughs> they were like too sick. Sorry, buddy. It's I gotta not, go. It's not funny, but I'm like, holy moly. But if you think about it. If, they just left him? Yeah. Yeah. So well they left all right they there's another man I'm sorry by the name of I'm going to call him G A U Gao I think that's how you pronounce it okay. so Sherpa's are with another gentleman by the name of Gal they left him right around 27,000 feet. so very okay. close to where Fisher is at Okay okay with Fisher and so so these couple of guys find each other right and they're able to start to use each other's <laughs> skill and maybe warmth i don't know maybe the yeah. holding hands go to push them to get down the mountain <laughs> so um but so now we have a group of people going down the mountain that have found each other we've got a gentleman by the name of fisher a gentleman by the name of Sang and Gao. okay so like i said they're all together they're pushing their way down the mountain but mm-hmm. lopsang eventually persuaded fisher to Uh, go ahead and leave him and gal behind because they're getting sicker. Okay. They're, they're exhausted. They're having all sorts of problems and they're hoping that maybe one of them can, can get out of hill. Okay. Get out of there. Oh man. Um, Hall radios for help saying that Hansen had fallen unconscious but was still alive. And at five thirty, adventure consultants guide Andy Harris, who was carrying oxygen and water, began climbing alone from the South Summit. Uh they're at around twenty eight thousand seven hundred feet. feet. Mm-hmm. They're trying to get to Howard and Hall, who were still on top of Hillary Step. Okay. So the account notes that they had by this time, the weather had deteriorated into a full-scale blizzard oh. saying that snow pellets were going as fast as 70 miles <gasps> per hour, and uh you know, just I can't ma- imagine that shit hurts. yeah <laughs> oh yeah, I would imagine like I would compare it to being shot over and over by a BB gun No doubt. Oh and my so gosh. around six pm, there is a full- blown blizzard that's uh, on top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. That's on top of them, yeah. Ugh. Several climbers got lost on the south coal during the storm. Mountain Madness guide, Beetleman, and clients, along with adventure consultant guide, Mike Groom, and his clients... Mm-hmm. You know, wandered around in the blizzard until they could no longer walk. And when they were out (sighs) of options, they huddled about uh, 66 feet away from a drop-off off (gasps) off the side of the mountain.
1: Holy crap. Probably because they just couldn't see. They couldn't. They didn't know where they were at. Oh, shit.
0: Yeah. That's scary. So near midnight, the blizzard cleared significantly for the team where they could actually see Camp 4. And they were about 660 feet away. Oh, okay. Um, There are several folks from this group that set off to find help and several folks that remain on the mountain in order to help rescuers, Mm -hmm. uh, the ones that were going to be able to make, you know, come down the mountain. Right. So they located additional climbers. um, And brought people back with them. Yeah, brought them back to safety. Yeah. Well, at least they were able to save some folks. So they had several climbers that were able to meet at the camp, and they had several that were just Mm -hmm. no call, no show. They they didn't know where they were. So they had, unfortunately, they had a little bit of a combination of both. We had people who were completely exhausted, and there are two people that we know that were still stuck on the mountain named Weather and Namba. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: In the early morning of May 11th, around 4:45. Hall Radio's base camp. Again, this is the camp that's at that eighteen thousand feet. Okay, Mark. Yep. And said he was on the south summit, which is around twenty eight thousand seven hundred feet, indicating that he had survived the night. This is the guy that uh, right. was missing the very first one that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. He reports that Harris had reached the two men, Namba and Weathers, but Hansen, who had been with him since the previous afternoon, was now gone. So they find. Oh, Another two guys, and world. then they lose, or they find two of the three, and then lose one of them. Oh, that's and Harris was missing. Hall was not. Hall was not breathing bottled oxygen because his regulator was too choked up with ice. Oh God! Yeah. So by nine a.m., Hall had fixed his oxygen mask, but indicated that his hands and feet were frostbitten and making it difficult to traverse the fixed ropes. Mm-hmm. Later on in the afternoon, he radioed base camp asking them to call his pregnant wife Uh, Jan Arnold uh, using the satellite. Oh, God. This is not turning out well. Yeah. During this last communication, they chose a name for their unborn child. He reassures his wife that he was reasonably comfortable and he tells her, sleep well, my sweetheart. Please don't worry too much. Oh, God. Shortly thereafter, uh, he froze to death in his sleep. Mm -hmm. His body was found on May 23rd but was left there as requested by his wife who said hmm he she thought he was where he would like to have stayed so he she didn't want the body to be moved
1: whatever i'd been like yeah you stupid ass you decided to go up there you get to stay there oh my
0: god they did decide <laughs> however to since they found the body right. they went ahead and got the wedding band off of his finger and then took it back to her Right. And the bodies of the other two folks, Hanson and Harris, have never been found. Oh,
1: God. That sucks, dude.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, another gentleman, um, a client on the Halls team who Mm -hmm. has now passed, um, had returned around, um, had turned around before the summit on the 10th, launched. He decided to he was going to launch a second search for Weathers and Namba and he found both alive oh, good. but barely responsive severely frostbitten and they were really in no condition to move. After a consult with others, he made the decision that he could that they both could not be saved <sighs> and they can't be evacuated in time, so the other survivors all agreed that they were going to leave Namba and Weathers behind and that was the only choice. Oh my God! So so they're too high up for any rescue helico- helicopters. Oh my God! Helicopters typically they 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 do have some helicopters that will do high altitude rescues, but it's very rare from what I understand. Really? Yeah, and it's too risky for um, any rescuers to go up there. They lose. It seems like every time they start a rescue mission, they lose people from the
1: mm-hmm.
0: from the group of folks that are actually sent there. Yeah, to rescue them. Right. Oh, man, that sucks. Later on in the day, however, this gets a little interesting here. Weathers regains consciousness, walks alone under his own power to the camp. Oh, wow. He surprises everyone there. And he's clearly he's still suffering uh, from severe hypothermia and frostbite. But he gets up. He's like, nope, I'm going. And good. You know, he makes it. Despite receiving oxygen and attempts to rewarm him, Weathers is practically abandoned again the next morning on the 12th of May mm-hmm. after a storm had collapsed his tent overnight. Ugh. And the other sur- survivors once again thought that he had died. Damn it. This
1: guy just can't get
0: a break. It's <laughs> not like
1: this. God wants this man. I know, and these other people God just, just keep leaving him
0: to live,
1: dude. We're trying to leave you. Right. Get the like, fuck off. Take the hint.
0: <laughs> well, it, you know, another another um, climber discovers that he's still conscious, right? And he finds out, thankfully, just before the survivors at this camp are pre- are prepared to evacuate. And despite his worsening condition, he weathers. Basically, finds that he can still move mostly on his own. Okay. A rescue team is mobilized. They're hopeful that they can get Weathers down, and they're hopeful that they can get him down alive. He's uh-huh. showing real promise. Right. Um, over the next two days, was, ush, blah, Weathers was ushered Down to Camp 2 with the assistance of eight healthy climbers from various other expeditions, people who have decided they were going to abandon their trip to help this guy. Oh, that's nice. And was evacuated by a really daring high-altitude helicopter rescue.
1: So he was rescued. Thank God. But the other guy is like, Namba, Nimba, whatever. He's... He's gone. Yeah. Okay.
0: He survives and eventually recovers, but he loses his nose, (gasps) his right forearm and hand, clearly, and Mm -hmm. all the fingers on his left hand. He lost all of that to frostbite. Ah, that sucks. The climbing Sherpas located Fisher and Gao on May 11th, but Fisher's condition had deteriorated so much that they were only able to give him... Uh, palliative care which essentially is just making you comfortable yeah making sure that you're yeah Um, but they were able to rescue gal oh at least he got rescued another climber made a subsequent rescue attempt but found fisher's frozen body around seven o'clock that night oh man yeah and you know Gao was also evacuated by one of the high altitude helicopters Helicopters, good so here's a quick like conclusion recap a sudden you know we had this huge group Mm -hmm. uh that was going to be pretty public and in the news, tr- deciding that they were going to make the, the climb to the summit. Right. They had a, a sudden arrival of a storm that caught everyone out in the mountain by by surprise, essentially. Right. But they were able to essentially disprove that later when it was discovered that several members of both teams had access to weather forecasts. So I, I never you know so they were just like
1: fuck it we know it it's you know there's a blizzard coming so we're just going to go anyway
0: well they thought that they would be able to make, make it. it in time i don't care that's stupid i would and not even change it. and some people speculated that there was a lot of uh, media Coverage. pressure yeah. and that they were trying to sort of show off what of there were bottlenecks at Balcony and Hillary Step, which caused an hour to two-hour delays on the way up right. to the summit. Remember those? Yeah. The team's leaders decided to exceed the normal turnaround time of 2 p.m. So if they would have said, fuck that, everybody, turn I don't care where you are, turn around, turn let's around. go home, it may, it may, may have may turned have it out a little differently. Mm-hmm. Um, many people you know, with many people summiting or staying at the summit for up to an additional hour, like, you know, we had people just hanging around out there. Right. Two climbers became ill suddenly at or near the summit around 3 PM. So It's just like all of these, it was kind of like the stars aligned Climbs. for disaster yeah. that day. And then they also had many climbers running out of oxygen because the guides were carrying bottles to other stranded climbers as the storm approached. There right. was just, there's just too much I shit mean, it going was, on. It was, it was definitely a little bit of a shit show. Yeah. So, I want to talk about Rainbow Valley. I don't know if you've heard about Rainbow Valley or not on Mount Everest. Nope. It's not likely the type of valley that you're thinking. Mm -hmm. But um, we know that uh, Hillary and Torgay were the first successful Everest climbers in Mm -hmm. 1953. And it's not that the climbers tried their luck before, didn't try their luck before 1953, attempted it and not succeeded. We just don't know Mm -hmm. some of them climbed successfully and made a return some climbers gave up way before the summit and returned and then there were some that absolutely took their last breath uh around you know the death zone of mount everest and for those dead ones the rainbow valley became essentially their graveyard oh the trail leading to the summit uh through the death zone there's a section called the death zone Let's keep going. Um, It's very narrow. There's really barely enough room for one person, your own two legs. Oh, God. It's around 26,247 feet. And this is where most of the deaths on that mountain occur. Just right there. Yeah. Oh, my God. Through this zone. Okay. Through this zone. The air at the altitude, uh, like I said earlier, is about... 33%, 30% 33%, 30%, 30% of what is available to us now. And you guys may not know this, but we we know we're not breathing 100% air anyway, right? Right, right, right. So take 30%, take away. 60% away from that, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, gosh. Yeah, and lightheaded, probably just... I know I, I it would be like mm. Darwinism if for me if I went up there. I, I know I would not come down from Oh path. yeah, me either. So there there are all sorts of problems that can happen at any point during the trek and I'm not you know, I would say any any place from the base camp, which is at the eighteen thousand, mm-hmm. up until you get to twenty nine thousand feet, there's an opportunity for some shit to go down. Right. Um Ugh. first of all like we said earlier there's the lack of oxygen although some people have made it with no tanks um many 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 more people have died um if you bring oxygen tanks etc there's a potential that the harsh temperatures could make them faulty or these hoses could freeze or the gauges could freeze mm-hmm. and minutes mean uh, potentially f- between life and death if it takes you 5 minutes to un- get some ice out of your hose and you've got 30 seconds worth of air in your lungs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, right. Uh, oxygen lines freezing, you know, the, the whole thing. There's also the high altitude pulmonary edema and the cerebral edema that you have to have, to, have to worry with. about. Yeah. Whatever the cause of the death, okay? My point is if you die on this tra- trail, mm-hmm. whatever the cause of the death, if you were on the trail and maybe you're not even 100% dead yet, but if you are dying mm-hmm. um, or close to it, you will essentially be pushed out of the way. And the valley is on the sides of the trail where people. Okay, are wait, out of the way. wait, What do you mean pushed out of the way? People
1: that are—they're just gonna step over your body and like move it to the side. They do. Holy
0: frick! Yeah. What? And and that's where you stay because they do not. Yeah, there's they no way to get not, you down. Yeah. they do not spend any money up there. Yeah, there are over 300 people <gasps> in Rainbow Valley, and the reason they call it Rainbow Valley is because of all the bright colors that climbers wear,
1: uh-huh. and some
0: of them have oxygen tanks on their back. Some of them have uh, put tents up, you know. So yeah, you've got it's.
1: Yeah, and so you're just walking through essentially a graveyard.
0: Yeah, and 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 some of these Ugh. people are used as markers. Yeah. Oh, oh, here's green boots I know we're at whatever feet
1: we're at green boots
0: and then of course you know like I said you're there forever you know yeah, unless going something to... happens at that mountain yeah um, Matter. And, and there's a lot of controversy uh, uh, ethical right from yeah. an ethical and moral perspective over how quickly people literally push the dying out of the way and they don't even, even offer assistance there's no there's no law or rule up there that says you have to abandon your mission and, and help Help Someone this dying person, Because right? you could potentially, at that uh, altitude, you could yeah. potentially be putting yourself in danger.
1: Oh, God. I can't imagine going, hey, oh, <laughs> have a nice death. <laughs> yeah, you know, like,
0: you know... Pe- Oftentimes, people are not everything, not everybody. That doesn't happen all the, um, yeah. 100% of the time. There are people that will help you, but I would imagine that most likely if I spent a th- hundred thousand dollars on something, I'm not going to let much get in my way. Right. No, I would absolutely stop and help. Oh,
1: me though. too. Gosh. I wouldn't yeah. be up there in the first place, but oh, Yeah. That. Thank you.
0: <laughs> I'd be down there giving flyers like the, <laughs> like abortion is legal people. You don't want to do this, brother. Here you go. <laughs> like, <laughs> God. <laughs> um, you know, these folks are are oftentimes looked over. Like mm-hmm. I said, they're rolled aside and left to die. And, mm. and and in my opinion, this is morally and ethically, this is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, the death will continue to rise as long as people are climbing the mountain. And as long as you have between 35000 and and $100,000 and, you know, yeah. two plus months of time you can take. The deadliest situations occur when there are a large number of climbers and they are trying to make... You know, trying to make the climb to the summit when they have a good window of weather, Mm -hmm. which is oftentimes not very long. Sure. And it becomes dangerous when we have the bottlenecks of two or more hours, like we talked about earlier. It's a complete waste of oxygen. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine that everybody knows what the good times are to climb Mount Everest. So lines are going to be long. Right.
1: Oh, God. Similar, no, I can't, I just can't imagine why are you wanting to do this?
0: I can't either. I'd love for somebody to tell me. Oh, so uh, this similar situation happened to uh, Lena Shuttleworth and her father in 2020. They wanted to climb the summit. However, over 200 other people had the same idea. Six of those people lost their lives that day. Um uh. Lena, Lena would later recall that there were, and I quote, quite a few bodies attached to the fixed lines and we had to walk around them. Oh, that's, I'm sorry, no. There was also a couple that she said were still alive. Describing that, they, you know, her and her father really described that they came across one man who they assumed was dead. But as they passed, he raised his arms and looked at us. Uh, she said that he didn't know that anyone was there and he was almost dead. They continued on the trek. They didn't stop and help. And when they came down, he was dead.
1: What the fuck? What kind of piece of
0: shit are you that you're just? I'll see you on the way down. (laughs) I really want to understand how somebody does that. Maybe it's just in America. I well, no, they. I think they were from. uh, I didn't. I don't know if they were from America or not. But I would like to think that many Americans would stop and help. Stop and help. I'd like to think that humankind thank right. You. I thank
1: you. It's got nothing to do with where you're from. It's just a well core... I don't know.
0: I don't know because if you think about Ugh. certain cultures, right, that I mean we have people who who sacrifice members <laughs> well, no, of their yeah community. Yeah. Right? That's I don't fair. I don't know. I I don't get it. But it would hurt my heart. No doubt. So this is an ethical debate that's been around really since 2006. Mm-hmm. And during, during this time frame, there were about approximately 40 climbers that passed uh, a dying British mountaineer named David Sharp with, without stopping. They just, like, it wasn't just, it was many, many people. Like, whole groups of people that just... Kept on going. Keeps on going. <clears throat> a week Jeez. later, a U.S. climber named Don and his team gave up their own summit bid you have to you have to apply I think yeah I'm sure this, yeah um, to coordinate the rescue of an abandoned Australian named Lincoln Hall and he actually survived so oh, his good. team abandoned him good but let me tell you let me let me find out I go up there with a group of people and I get abandoned I'm coming after everything yeah I'd be killing them On the weekend the Shuttleworths reached the summit an Israeli climber, carried uh, an American climber to safety on his back for eight hours. So oh, there wow. is some good. Yeah. There is some good, but it seems to be few and far between. I was going to say, Especially with 300 it's... people in, death, in the death zone. Jeez. So, you know, should the shuttleworths have stopped and, and helped? Yes. Their, like I said, there's no formal guidelines that are issued to climbers. Um, and we don't know the risk it might have meant on their own lives, but uh, can it really be... Any worse? Well, it was... Like, how how are you judged at the end for doing that? Like, I'm at the gates. Yep. And you're... Well, you're in your bed, and you're going, Shit,
1: I should probably help that guy. (laughs) I can't... I can't imagine. All right? I just... You're on your deathbed, and that's probably a one regret. Did I leave a good life? You could have been... You you could have been... Like, a saint, and then left this poor
0: schmuck. Schmuck.
1: You know... In the snow, all all so that you could just reach the summit. You're a selfish bastard. I agree. At that point. I agree. And no, you did not lead lead a good life. It wasn't a mistake. You made a conscious decision to not help somebody.
0: I don't think I could could do it. No. Absolutely not at all. No. So there are a few stories that I want to talk about that uh, really are... made more of a media sensation when they happen when we talk about some of these people that are yeah. in rainbow valley one is a gentleman by the name of green boots and so we'll post the picture but if you go and look at his picture he has green boots on mm-hmm. and he is uh green i think uh, oxygen tanks and and red or bright red or orange mm mm-hmm. Uh, clothing, And it's a dead body on the northeast corner of Everest. And the reason he is called Green Boots clearly is because he's got a pair of Green Boots are. Um, people assume that the body could be from an Indian climber who was reported missing in his uh, attempt to climb to the top back in 1996. Oh, God. So these people are just skeletons at this point? No, they're frozen. They're preserved. Oh. Uh. All frozen you can look at some at one and we'll talk about her next the sleeping beauty she okay. looked like now some people will go up and uh put plastic bags around some of the heads to keep the birds from plucking out so okay yeah 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 right Blech. oh yeah so along with him um the guy that they uh, the indian climber uh, there were two other climbers who also died during the same incident mm-hmm. but uh those bodies have never been found. Uh, green boot body rests in the small cave below the summit, and the body remains in the same spot under a cave. And it's used, like I said, as a marker or God. a map. So now this person is no longer whatever. He's green boots. Green boots. And when you get to him, you know you're 2,000 feet away from the summit, whatever it happens to be. Mm. About 80% of climbers take a rest at the cave where he's located. Oh, Wow. And it's, it is the most visible and most famous corpse in Rainbow Valley. Oh, my
1: God. Oh, my God. It's just, to me, that is just, yeah, that's so
0: weird that,
1: you know, his dead body is now a mark on a map. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And, oh, I don't, oh, I don't. I don't want to talk about being able to have a family member, a loved one, on that that I could never. No, that's see. horrible. So, Sleeping Beauty, the first American woman, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, on May twenty second, nineteen ninety eight, Francis and her husband Sergei reached the summit of Mount Everest. Okay. Uh, they stayed out. They stayed up there for a little bit, hung out, had a good time, and decided that you know it was it was time to head back. So, on their descent from the peak, something went. Really, really wrong. For some reason, they were forced to spend the night in uh, sub-zero temperatures in the death zone. Oh, God. And somehow they became separated. And, of course, we we don't know what happened that caused this. A Yeti. (laughs) (laughs) The very next morning, Sergei suffered a fatal fall um, while he was trying to rescue Francis, who had collapsed uh, just under the summit.
1: Oh, no. Um, and I mean
0: just under the summit because they were only at right around 29,000 feet. Mm-hmm. So basically, he he was trying to help, help his her. wife yeah. and he couldn't see. I don't know if it was storming or what, but he fell off the side of the mountain.
1: <gasps> no. Yeah. Oh, no.
0: Yeah. Ah, oh, man, that sucks. So later on that day, two climbers happened to come across her and decided that they were going to give up their summit bid and they were going to stay with her. They stayed with her for over an hour before they had to leave for their own safety. Um, sometime later on that day or evening, Francis died. Aww. So her son, Paul, remembers her dad um, because Sergey was the stepdad. Oh, okay. So, you know, her son, Paul, remembers her dad telling him that, mm-hmm. you know, your mom had passed and... He said he had a feeling that he already knew she was dead Dead. at 11 years old. Oh, that's so sad. And of course
1: uh, he
0: said it was extremely difficult because it was all over the internet. I'm sure the sleep, the frozen sleeping beauty, um, stuck on the mountain. Um, Mm. but he also thought she died doing something that he, that she totally loved. Mm -hmm. And you know, he said essentially that that's how he finds peace in it. Well, several years has passed and she remained in the mountain Mm -hmm. In the exact same spot. But one of the guys that was with her during her final hours, those two people um, that stayed with her, really became haunted that he was unable to save her. And it really bothered him a great deal that her body became just another landmark.
1: Well, of course. It's probably... I mean, anybody with a conscience.
0: Uh, I mean, you would would think so, right? With the support of the other climber that was with him during that time, they went back to Mount Everest where her body... Uh, laid basically to remove it from everyone's sight. Oh. They didn't like that everybody kept walking by it and taking then- pictures of her, she was posted all over the internet. Oh god. Uh, the climber would later say that it was an opportunity to mm-hmm. get her out of sight but really to say goodbye. Right. Uh, they they went they took the the path up there, they wrap her in American fl- and an American flag and oh. they essentially kind of sh- push her off the side of the mountain. They tried to lower her. They didn't really have a lot of rope, and it ended oh being up
1: being. Oh my god! So, let's just push her over the side. They—they. They,
0: <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? It, it very well may have been the same site where where Sergey had fallen. I too. don't care. That's, I mean, to be just covered me with snow. I I would say just leave my ass alone. Thank you. Your problems are your problems. Don't bring that shit on me. I know. I'm I'm already dead on the mountain. I know. It's not, I'm not being bothered by it. Now here, now here's a little bit of the kicker. So her son (sighs) is back at home and essentially finds this out over the internet um, that, you know, his mother had been pushed or lowered or whatever over the edge of the mountain right. and wasn't happy. No. Or wasn't happy. He essentially said that the first thing out of his mouth was like, dude, that's my mom. Right. <laughs> Let me just put...
1: I, I'd hunt that motherfucker down and I'd have to kill
0: him. Well, these guys are so fucking forgiving. He says eventually he realizes that the climbers witnessed the final moments of his mother's life mm-hmm. and he... And had forged their own special connection with her. Uh, and he says, quote, my mother and I are bonded by blood, and Ian and Kathy are the two climbers, right? <laughs> okay. Ian, Kathy, and her are bonded by death. death. I feel that they had just as much a right to move her as we did, and my fa- my family honors their support. And then he goes on to say, I wish they would have asked me. <laughs>
1: Yeah, because I would have been like, no, dude, do not touch my mom. Leave her alone.
0: (laughs) But, But, you know, more so I wish to make a connection with them and meet them, hopefully. You know they they can all meet sometime, but I would I would have been like I would have been so pissed. Yeah, I can't
1: I can't say that I would be happy about the fact that somebody pushed my mom over the side of the damn mountain. Right. right.
0: <laughs> now this this is gonna be the last story that I share. There's so so many, um, but this one goes back to uh, 1979, where uh, the first. The, was the first woman, shit, the first woman mm-hmm. to die on Mount Everest died in 1979. And okay. she was a German mountaineer. Now, I'm only going to pronounce her first name because I can barely do that. Um, <laughs> ha- Hainlor is how I'm pronouncing that. Okay. Um, like I said, she was the first woman to die on Mount Everest. In 1979, she and her husband decided to make the climb. They joined a group of about six other climbers with five Sherpas to, or and five Sherpas yeah. to attempt the trek up to the peak. They make it to the summit, but while descending, they ran into some issues. All the members made it back, but Hannah Lore and an American climber, Ray Gannett. Mm. Despite all of her experience in climbing, uh, they were so tired, mm-hmm. they were so exhausted, they decided to... Uh, spend the night with one of the Sherpas in the, the death zone. Oh, I don't, man. I, I don't know what it would feel like to, to be like this, but I would definitely try to get it past the death zone. No doubt. That night, a very strong, unexpected snowstorm hit, and Ray was found dead in the morning due to hypothermia. Mm-hmm. Hanalore and the Sherpa made it out, but while they were on their way down, Hanalore just... Kind of fell down in a sitting position, really supported by her backpack. Uh And after that, she never got up. She just sat down. Uh, Her last two words were, water, water, and she died. So, because she was thirsty, maybe? I guess it's like,
1: that's weird.
0: Well, her corpse remained with her eyes open. Mm. And her long uh, brown Mm. hair was just blowing in the wind. And it was there for many, many years. Oh, my God. So, uh, you know, like many others, her body was passed by, you know, several climbers (gasps) It was used as a marker. But one interesting fact, after about five years, two other climbers died while attempting to recover her body. They were found tangled in their ropes on Mount Everest.
1: Why were they trying to recover her body though? I
0: don't know why they were actually trying. Now uh, she was the first. I don't know if it was a family thing, if it was uh, a, a country thing. I sure. don't know. I'm not sure. However, later on, I think another two years, her body was essentially pushed over the ridge <laughs> by a really strong wind. The wind was just it just whipping.
1: W- yeah, push. And around. I can't. I
0: mean, I mean, let's just say I don't know. Let's just say 125 pounds. I'm just guessing, yeah. right? Of of a block of Ice. Human ice. Oh, my God. And I, and I don't know what, if your body's frozen, if it accumulates, if, you know, I don't know if it adds more weight to you. I, I got nothing. Yeah,
1: I don't know. I don't, I, I feel kind of stupid for saying that, but maybe not. No, I mean, I mean, I'm sure it's like stiff.
0: <laughs> well, there are many, many other deaths that I could speak about for hours, actually. It's astonishing to me the that people are willing to pay to take such a risk. I have absolutely no desire, especially after doing this research research to explore anything on Mount Everest. And like I said earlier, I admit it was something that I had thought about doing when I was younger, but the risk is just too great. Shit, So it's about, I think, I don't know if I've said this before, but it's about one in a hundred people that die a year um, on the, well, that's the, the stats for the climb in Mount Everest. So about one in 100 people.
1: Oh, one in 100 people. Sorry. Sorry. I thought you said 100 people died. Oh no, one in 100. I mean, I'm, to me, it's cold. I sure as hell, yeah, I, you know sure. I don't like the cold. That's fair, me either.
0: Screw that. Now to end this on a little bit of a lighter note, let's discuss uh, about some of the science that is helping experienced and inexperienced climbers uh, get to the highest point on Earth, while of course being healthy, exercising, eating right, making sure that you know you're as healthy as you, you can be. Right. Um, you still never know with this mountain.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: uh they now have things like satellite based health monitoring kits which would help you monitor oxygen levels mainly so you can actually instead of maybe fighting something mm-hmm. question it in your mind i'm not sure if this is what's going on you could say oh my app says that i need to get the fuck off this thing <laughs> <laughs> abort <laughs> abort mission danger trip. danger will robinson you <laughs> get go get the hell off <laughs> they also have um you know, better satellite communications, which allow, like I said, real-time status of what the climbers are dealing with, in hopes that they will be able to make smarter decisions right. faster. Because let's be honest, not everyone listens to their body. Oh yeah, I, no. I'd like to think about all most some of the men in my life. Could you imagine, like, oh, I, I can do this. It's only seventy-three more feet.
1: I mean, well, think about the the dude in the Nutty Putty Cave. Oh yeah, I can fit
0: through this. Oh my god, two-inch hole. Chill bumps.
1: I mean, but it's the same situation. It's yeah. like what the fuck. Yeah.
0: You know, it it definitely sounds like a a great start. There's more technology, there's science yeah. every year that's get, that goes into this. Yeah. Um a great start to paving the way for future technology that will hopefully make this a little more safer for climbers, but people, you can't do anything about nature.
1: Yeah, I was going to say there it's not and especially on a mountain like that, it's probably unpredictable. Yeah. As it gets. And well, yeah, just- I mean in the
0: middle of the night, I, I, I Excuse me. I can't, Im- you know, maybe you're in the tent. I can tell you that I look at my weather app many, many times a week. Do you know how quick weather changes? Me too. Do you know how quick I thought we were going to have a, a beautiful sunny day and then it's stormy? Stormy,
1: I know. No, I don't trust it at all. I sure as hell would not trust it on a damn mountain. <laughs> well, that's all I have. That's fucked up story. Thank you. So I was no
0: blood and guts.
1: No, but it's creepy as hell. Yeah, I'm going to go on look the macabre up, side. I want to look up the Rainbow Trail now.
0: Uh, the bat, Valley, Valley, sorry, yeah. Rainbow. Yeah. it's, it's, I'm sure it's creepy as hell. I'll have to pull up the picture of the sleeping beauty. We'll post that. It's uh, definitely very interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Yeah. I have, um, this is going to go home and take a nap now. I am. No, <laughs> I'm going to
1: go clean up some dog hair because I didn't do anything. Um, I'm going to
0: go it, pick up my dog.
1: Oh yeah. That's right. All right. Well, the and then, um, we'll record on time next week. Yes, we will. Um, I've got my story. I know what I'm doing, and it's gonna be awful. But yay! Um, it's not, it, but I, it, it's it's an important subject, I think. Well, I can't wait. So, um, and yeah, I got nothing else. I, if you guys, I wanted to bring up earlier in the podcast before we started our story, um, but you know. Uh, the the Murdoch murders. Oh yeah, and the Murdoch case. It's it's right here in our lovely home state of South Carolina. It is a crazy one, and we'll we'll start posting some stuff on uh, social media about it. Um, and once I get my brain um, engaged and, and start to really understand fully what the case is, we'll we'll do a, yeah. We'll do a podcast on that one yeah. too. So. All right, I hope you guys have a great week. Behave.
0: We'll talk to you next weekend.
1: All right, bye.